0: The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you for listening. I just wanted to start the show with saying that I am not a mental health professional or a financial professional. All content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. I want to let you know that as a trigger warning, please note that content on the podcast can include topics like mental health and suicidal ideation and talk about a lot of sensitive topics. So please know that before listening, if you are currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting home to 741-741. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today I'm interviewing Keisha Blair. Keisha Blair is a trained economist with extensive experience in the public, private, and not-for-profit sectors. She was part of the Prime Minister's delegation to the World Economic Forum in 2018, as well as the East Asia Summit in Singapore. She led events such as the Most Powerful Women's Summit in Montreal, Canada, and the Fortune Global Forum. After losing her husband suddenly to illness, Keisha was left to care for two young toddlers and embarked on a journey of self-discovery that allowed her to focus on the most important lessons for achieving happiness. Lessons that she includes in her new book, Holistic Wealth, 32 Life Lessons to Help You Find Purpose, Prosperity, and Happiness. I am so excited to talk to you, Keisha.
1: It's great to be here, Melanie. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, I know you're going to share so much wisdom on the show today. I think your story is incredible and you're such a resilient person and I'm so happy to be sharing all of this with our audience today.
1: Great, glad to be here for sure.
0: So let's dive right in. You know, your story kind of changed and shifted dramatically. You lost your husband just 8 weeks after giving birth. Can you tell me a little bit about that time and also how did that affect you mentally and financially?
1: Yes, it was a very hard time, like as you mentioned, like my husband passed away eight weeks after I gave birth to my second child, and you know at the time. We had no inkling that this would happen. He wasn't sick. He was healthy as far as we knew. He was just a healthy, young, 34-year-old fit, doing his exercises, ran marathons, everything, doing everything right, eating healthy. And I found myself in a situation similar to what we're facing today with this pandemic where my life was upended without any notice, (laughs) without any signs that this was coming. And so it just happened within... He came home from work, you know, and had this pain in his abdomen. And then we rushed him to the ER and within three hours, he was gone.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my god! Um,
1: similar situation to now where he had a disease that was so rare. Most doctors have never seen it in their lifetimes. They'll only read about it in textbooks. They did not have a clue how to diagnose, much less to treat it when he went in. And so he passed away and and that was tragic just because, you know, these things happen. But sometimes you look back and you're like, wow, if we had just known, it it would have been very preventable.
0: What was the disease, if you mind me asking?
1: Yeah, so it was pheochromocytoma, a very rare tumor of the adrenal gland that he had. Only one in one million people get it each year. It's very rare. It came on an episode of Dr. House. That's how rare it is. And so quite literally, the tumor erupted and they couldn't arrest it in time. So he died. And
0: Just three hours after going to the hospital
1: just 3 hours like we didn't oh, even have God. much time to fight
0: that must have been completely devastating i mean i'm just in tears thinking of that situation
1: yeah it was devastating and you know i had just given birth 8 weeks earlier so i was still healing physically from childbirth and had a 3 year old at home and and my 8 week old and so even at the point we rushed into the er had no clue that i was walking in with him the last time. And, you know, as I stated that viral article that I wrote that led to this book, I walked into the hospital with my husband living and breathing and walked out with his things in a white plastic bag three hours later. Like literally, oh I walked gosh. in with him and then walked out back with a white plastic bag. And thinking about that moment just grounds me because I realize, you know, and, and even with what's happening now with this pandemic, that we never know what will happen. We just never know what will happen to us. And life changes in an instant. It can change in an instant. And one minute, everything is glorious. And, and the next minute, it can be utter devastation. And so I think this message is so timely right now. These 32 life lessons in this book is so timely because it's about you know resilience and it's about overcoming adversity and setbacks and living a life that you can be you can be happy with even after that type of tragedy. So that's kind of where all of this stems from.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned the word resilience. That's something that I'm very passionate about. I actually have the word resilient on my left wrist and in place of the eyes, I have two semicolons in honor of project semicolon, which is a suicide prevention organization And that word is just so empowering to me because it just feels like stuff happens to you, but you get back up and that's what resilience means. So how can you foster a resilient mindset? Obviously you were very resilient during this time and have continued to move forward with your life and share these lessons with other people. So how can others foster a resilient mindset?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I've, I've been asked that question before too in another interview. And it's so, so important because even if you have never been through a terrible tragedy up to this point, it's good to get your, yourself geared in a way where if something happens that you're okay with dealing with it and you can come out on the other side even, you know, better than. You were before, and when I was writing the book, it was the editor of the book that gave the book the name Holistic Wealth, and she said, "This is what I see coming out of these thirty-two life lessons, and all of these life lessons are geared towards building resilience." And you know, I talk about the holistic wealth mindset in the book, and it's it's a whole mindset that's geared around a person with a holistic wealth mindset doesn't fear taking measured risk, does not erect fake constraints as barriers to success. People with this mindset are adept at recognizing fake versus real constraints. And they have mastered the art of recovery from disruption.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Can we go back? Yeah. And just, sorry, can we say that sentence again? I loved it. The recovery and disruption sentence. Can you say that again?
1: Yeah. So People with this mindset are adept at recognizing fake versus real constraints and they have mastered the art of recovery from disruption.
0: Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Yeah. That's such a beautiful definition of resilience, you know. Yeah. Recovery from disruption because as you mentioned things can change in an instant overnight and as you mentioned we're dealing with that right now with covid-19 it seems like everything did shift overnight basically and we're not going to go back to the way things used to be and we're dealing with a new paradigm shift and we do have to be resilient and recover from that extreme disruption and foster a strong mindset and i think you know i love what you said you know to also kind of differentiate between fate and circumstances and understand, like how you can navigate what is in your level of control, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly.
0: I mean, because we don't have control over some of these terrible things that happen to us. And it's easy to feel like a victim that, oh, this happened to me and I wish it didn't happen to me. And I just want to continue to suffer. And that's part of the grief process too, I believe. But then the resilience part is about how can we pick ourselves back up and recognize as painful as it is, like you had no control over that happening, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have no control over this COVID-19 thing happening. And with my own therapy, it's like the anxiety is around, oh my gosh, I can't control this. I can't control this. What if, what if, what if, what if? And, you know, she's constantly reminding me, focus on what you can control. Because we can't control if someone passes away suddenly or if there's a next pandemic or if you get laid off or, you know, there's a lot of things outside of our control. But what is in our control and how can we focus on that?
1: Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. And in addition to that is getting unstuck from a particular mindset, as you said, like constantly saying what if, constantly saying what I should have done differently if I could have done it differently differently. Talk about that in a different chapter of the book, where I talk about going over and playing the same tired scripts over and over again. You know, a lot of us. When this pandemic is done and over, some of us are going to be going back, and especially if we lose any loved ones, God forbid, going back and saying, "What should I have done? Could I have done things differently?" It's going to come to a point where we're going to have to drop that to get over the hurdles and focus on what we can do to live our lives even better than we did before. And it's so hard to do that. It's tremendously difficult. And I speak from experience, from losing a loved one in a very tragic way. But it's absolutely necessary to move forward. And it's almost painful seeing it because it feels like you're walking away from something that should have been, could have been, imperfect.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's almost the hardest part is having to give up those... future memories, the things that you wanted to create with this person, the dreams.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it could be with a parent or a sibling or a grandparent or a friend, but it's hard to walk away. And it feels like you're walking away, but you're not. You're bringing those memories with you to chart a path forward that will be empowering not only for you and your family, but for others out there who can learn from your experience. But for each one of us, It's really channeling that difficulty into something more positive, something that we can use to lift humanity forward. And I can just imagine that after this pandemic is over, we're going to need so much of that to lift each other through this. And so that's why this mindset and really honing that is going to be for the benefit for all of us.
0: Yeah, I just kind of want to go back to that place of, you know, this happening to you and I can't even imagine what it felt like to be in the first 48 hours of that happening and I just know that you're probably overcome with grief and with my own experience I lost my grandpa about 2 months ago and I was very close with him and you know grief just feels like everything stops it feels like the whole world stops but everyone wants you to continue on as if nothing happened and it just feels like nothing matters anymore and everything has just come to a halt. Like how did you get out of that place and how did you kind of heal yourself to to be productive? Because this is an unimaginable situation that so many people, you know, I know if that happened to me, I would maybe like not be okay still. And I'm just so impressed that you have been able to take this situation and help others and write about it and heal. Like, How has that journey been for you?
1: It's been a journey, Melanie. And so, like, so sorry to hear about your grandpa, but, like, I, you know, as you're talking and we're going through this pandemic, like, the feelings just keep, you know, just rush back because I remember the first 48 hours, as you mentioned, I felt numb. I felt like I was, I knew I was in my body, but, and I wrote, wrote about this in the excerpt for the book that was also published on Thrive Global, but I felt like I was outside at looking on at me because I felt it was numbing. It was just, it was physically and mentally numbing. And yes, everything stopped. My world stopped. And I remember writing in a chapter of the book, I remember looking, because it was in spring, it was like in April, he passed away April 9th. And it was the beginning of spring. And I remember looking outside of my window and going, why are the leaves? Why Why are there blossoms? You know, why is yeah. the world going on doesn't nature. How is the world going on without me? How without is him? The world exactly. Not stopping and not recognizing my grief. I felt betrayed. And I put that in the book and people are probably listening to this going really. And I'm like, yes, I felt like the world had continued on without me and I wanted no part of it. And I, I honestly, I remember a friend coming and I, you know, this is also in the book. And she said to me, she brought some grief books and I wanted nothing to do with them. I was a young widow and it was all about, you know, people who had been married 30, 40 years and I only had seven years. And I remember her saying to me, you're going to see us on the bus and you'll want nothing to do with the bus. And there's going to come a point where you can wave to us, you know, on the bus as we go by and very soon you'll be able to smile at us and then at one point you know you'll probably hop back on the bus with us the bus of life and I thought wow and I remember at each stage when I found myself saying yeah I'd wave back to you guys on the bus of life and I remember the point I wrote this in another article that I felt like I was back in the driver's seat on the bus of my own life but it took a while to get to that point and it was a journey of self-reflection. Of you know, I mentioned in in the sabbatical chapter, I took a one-year sabbatical, and I know not everybody will be able to do that. But it's the, the whole lesson of it is just taking a pause and reflect on what does life now that you've had this loss. What does life mean to you now, and how do you want to channel your energies going forward? And and I feel like a lot of us, for a lot of us, this adversity, if we allow it to, can help us to become the people who were meant to be on this planet. Like, I feel like if we embrace it and we learn the lessons from it and we put ego last and put humanity first, that we will come out of this better place to help one another. And, you know, I I took a sabbatical and I hiked. I spent copious amounts of time in nature and it all dawned on me that my loss And what I had become and who I was to be was all wrapped up in this. You know, I talk about honing a mission statement and writing it. And it became evident to me that this was part of my journey that I would then pass on to others who were going through similar situations. And I cannot believe that I'm actually sitting here. We're in the midst of a pandemic. And this book is so meant for the times because... Yeah, it's so relevant. It's so relevant because this is about disruption. It's about crisis when nobody saw it coming. And how do you deal with that going forward? And it's so difficult, but it can be done. And that's why this message of resilience, and I'm glad we're talking about it so much. It's very important, especially for now.
0: Yeah. And I love what you're saying about really trying to find yourself after something traumatic happens and, everyone deals with trauma at some point in their lives in different ways. And it's so easy to be, this is my experience. It's so easy to become obsessive about that thing and just replay it again and again and again. Like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Maybe if I did this, this wouldn't have happened. Maybe if you blah, 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 blah. And it can drive you insane to continue to just play this record of like, what if I did this? How could this be different? Like, why me? This shouldn't have happened. You know, there's a lot of kind of Buddhist philosophy that say, go with the flow of the water. Stop trying to swim upstream. You know, when we try so hard to figure things out and be obsessive, and like why, we're not accepting what is. And, you know, that's so incredibly difficult to just say, this is what happened and just accept what is But if we try to go with the flow of water, we're going to have less resistance and the less resistance we have, the more acceptance we have and the acceptance stage will come sooner. And so I think it's really important for any traumatic experiences to be like, okay, this is what is, I don't need to be obsessing again and again and again, because all of my obsessing isn't going to bring that person back. Isn't going to change this diagnosis, isn't going to change that car accident, you know, all of that stuff. And one of my favorite sayings that I just learned in the past year or two is that grief is the price of love. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Like, wow, yeah, grief is the price of love. And, you know, when we truly love someone or something, we have such a beautiful, life changing, life affirming experience. And like all good things in life, it comes at a cost and you know the cause is grief because nothing lasts forever and so grief is the price of love
1: yeah no and that's beautifully said and you know as you're talking i'm thinking about so many people right now who are they've almost started the grieving process already whether or not i've lost a loved one in this pandemic the grief process has to take its course as well and it's something that we're going to have to not rush through and not think oh Yeah. Grief has its own timing. Exactly. Oh, I should be, you know, like, you know, at this point by now, like, no, like let it happen, let it flow naturally. But just to ensure that it's not becoming too chronic, it's not becoming to the point where we're really not improving or we're really not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel that we're moving through this and it's getting a bit lighter and lighter and we can see ourselves coming out of it and so that's the only thing to remember you know within the whole grief process is that because it can get complicated it can be devastating is that it just be channeled in a way that it's positive and that we see it lifting and getting lighter as the days go by and and that we can see ourselves coming out of it in some way or the other
0: yeah and you know I think that all of us collectively right now are grieving the way things used to be. Because things will not be the same after this. I truly believe that this is a paradigm shift and the workforce and culture and society will forever be changed because of this. And I think, you know, a lot of us are just grieving the way things used to be. Like, wow, remember when we could just go outside and how nice that was? Remember when we could just travel whenever and wherever we wanted? You know, remember when we could shake hands and hug and not be scared? Like, I think we're grieving all of that. And I know it is a process like last Thursday, which was the first day after all of this travel ban and the NBA was canceled and all this other stuff. I just had a mental health day and was just literally stuck in bed grieving because I just felt like, whoa. And you know, every day since it's not been easier per se, but kind of like every day I'm just like, OK, this is the new normal. I keep you know, waking up hoping that this is a bad dream, but it's like, oh, nope, this is this is reality. And so as the days go on, like I said, you start flowing with the water instead of trying to resist it. And so for my own mental health, it's like, how can I process this grief of how things used to be and how can I prepare for how things will be? And yeah, what what good can come out of this situation right now? With all of the self-reflection and isolation, how can I foster my creativity? How can I use this as a meditation and move all of that?
1: You know, this pandemic has brought to fore a lot of social inequities, a lot of issues in healthcare and and such. And you know, I'm looking at the book as you're speaking, and it's holistic wealth and. This was the message in the book to begin with that we have to look at, you know, like physical health is related to or mental health related to our financial wealth. And I think in terms of how life will change, we're going to see that this is more interrelated than ever before and that the financial wealth can slip away so easily. It can slip away overnight or physical health can slip away overnight. So how can we come out of this stronger and have a new paradigm for ourselves that integrates these in a more efficient way, and basically what the book is about, too.
0: I love that. And you know, that's why I'm so passionate about this podcast is really looking at the intersection of mental health and wealth. You know, we're, these are all connected, and I kind of want to hone in on your experience with your husband and the period of grief. I know grief affects your mental and financial health, so just You know, I'm curious for your experience, how did grief affect your mental and financial health?
1: Well, it's, yeah, it had a big effect in terms of my mental health. i would just given birth to my second child. And so it had a big impact. Luckily for me, I didn't have postpartum depression or anything like that. I had lots of support and I found that our relationships, and this is something like I have a whole, several chapters on the importance of our network is that it, Plus from going under when things like this happen. And that's what kept me strong. And it could have been much worse in terms of my mental health. But I had so much support from so many different groups around me. It was unbelievable. So even though I was grieving and it was terrible, terrible, terrible in terms of what I was feeling, what I was going through, you know, the feeling of becoming a single mom with two young kids and having to walk this journey alone now, even though I was supposed to be yeah with him was horrible, it was just horrible. But as I said, like relationships provided a buffer for that and people stepped in and waited. I had no idea they would step in and brought dinner, brought food, never left me. I, I didn't have to do much in those first couple of weeks, to be honest, but take care of myself. But yes, your mental health is so important in terms of nurturing a mindset that will help you get through this and in terms of my financial health in terms of my finances luckily we had planned for several different eventualities like life insurance is so important I was always worried like he was in the private sector and I was worried about pensions you know I was thinking about and he died actually in the last in the 2009 2008-2009 financial crisis so at the point he died we were Recession. Yes, it was a time like this. It was a 2008 global recession. And, you know, when stocks were losing value, like I I talk about that in the book, too, it was a horrible time. It was from that perspective, the timing was horrible. And luckily, we had a life insurance policy because, as I said, he was in the private sector and I was worried about pensions and. So I called up a financial advisor and I said, you know, I'm worried about a pension. And he's like, hold up, where's your life insurance? And we had none at the time. And he said, you need to put that in place now before we even get into any other type of investment.
0: <laughs> yes. Get a life insurance plan. A Life
1: insurance policy. And I've written this before that that was the single most important decision I made from a financial perspective about. Any other
0: yeah, investment. I can imagine. Because
1: that was nine months before he passed away. Like, I kid you not. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: And so I, you know, like I had, we had life insurance through our mortgage. Like what most of us, if you own a home, you have to get a life insurance policy. And so we had that just to clarify that. But when he came, this financial advisor, he said to me, that's not, you know, you know, and most of life insurance policies that the banks give you with your mortgage only covers the balance on the mortgage. So if House dies, then it only pays off for the house. You have nothing left in your hand, and to me, that's not good enough. And so, we canceled that one and took out a separate one that would not only pay off the balance, but that you know would leave something for the kids for me to to do all take care of everything. So to deal with the loss of
0: income, yeah, the loss
1: of income exactly. And and you know, to be honest with you, it still didn't cover for a lifetime loss of income, but it was better than not having anything. And so. I really wanted to spread that message, you know, since it happened to, I was 31 when he died and most of my peers did not have life insurance in place. And when he died, everyone went and took out one. I kid you not, every single one of my friends, (laughs) everyone. Like, let me get it now. Exactly. And since then, a few of my friends' spouses have passed away since then. So I think it's something that we should all be thinking about especially with estate planning and planning a will things like that and so financially luckily because of that we were fine and that also helped my mental health as well as you can imagine because
0: mm-hmm. I didn't have, to have that security that
1: security and I could grieve in peace without knowing that I wouldn't lose the house without knowing that I could see my way through in terms of putting the kids through school and paying for medical costs and And paying for, you know, any other costs that we had. And so I kid you not, and I say this in the book, I can't imagine what it would have been like if I had been grieving the loss of my husband, still physically reeling from childbirth and now having to deal with financial ruin. That would have done just done. And so, you know, I talk about being financially resilient a lot, and this is what I mean By making those moves, those decisions that will make you financially resilient because your mental health, your physical health and your financial health, they're all building blocks. And if one falls to pieces, then everything falls to pieces. So, in order for us to be financially resourceful and financially resilient, we need to make sure that those building blocks are firm. And so, luckily, some of those building blocks were there and we had planned. And so, that's one of the reasons why I was able to weather this storm.
0: Yeah, thank goodness you had life insurance. I mean, that is such a blessing. And I think that is, you know, a great message for everyone listening, especially if you have a family. Get a life insurance policy because it can provide so much peace to the people that are left behind. Mm-hmm. Love that. And so I want to go back to your book. So all of these experiences, you know, have led to this book, the holistic wealth mindset, which I just love the title. I love the idea. Can you describe exactly what a holistic wealth mindset is and talk a little bit more about your book?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And so the holistic wealth mindset calls for decision making based on the holistic wealth method. So we talked a bit about the holistic wealth mindset before, you know, when we talked about um... Adept at recognizing fake versus real constraints and mastering the art of free from disruption. And so, from the mindset comes the holistic wealth method. And this is a practical method in terms of our day to day decision making that's based on the mindset. And so, the holistic wealth method just basically asks because you know, we make 36, I think we make over 36,000 decisions every single day. And so, every single day. I'm tired. Exactly. Exactly. And so the holistic wealth method just is this method for for decision-making that says, will this decision be a withdrawal or a deposit from my holistic wealth bank account?
0: Ooh, I like that.
1: Yeah. So approaching life with a holistic wealth mindset means approaching life mindfully and with the realization that each decision and each action represents a withdrawal from or a deposit to that holistic wealth bank account. And so repeated withdrawals from the holistic wealth bank account will lead to bankruptcy. Similarly, there are some actions that act like compound interest in a holistic wealth bank account, like listening to your intuition, lifelong learning, and the benefits of these decisions multiplies in different areas of your life over time. And so the holistic wealth mindset and the method can be applied to every decision in daily life, like for instance we're in a pandemic and we know we need to self isolate. It's not fun, but we know that it will be something that will benefit us in the long run, will benefit those around, will keep us healthier, will probably too save us from spending money that we don't have. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so we think about that as a deposit to our holistic wealth bank account because we're making deposits today that will guarantee in the future that we're okay. And so that's basically the holistic wealth mindset and the holistic wealth method. And you know, even during a period of grief, like I, I went through and the book talks about that and I had to make decisions on a daily basis. I had so many decisions to make and some of them were life-changing and I really had to think about what would benefit me and my family in the long run. I think it's very important that we make our decisions strategically thinking about the future and not just thinking about the here and now and what we want, what we feel like today. And and that's what the holistic wealth method and the holistic wealth mindset is about because it fosters resilience when we think about what we're doing and how it impacts us, you know, now and in the future. And so that's basically what it is. And we might have to say no to a lot of things now so that we have a better life down the road. And, and, and when it comes on to money, it's the same thing. And so that holistic wealth method and the mindset is this practically thinking about it every single day that we make decisions and making it in a very mindful way. You know, not Mm -hmm. just
0: not just going through through life. Yeah.
1: Going through the motions like a leaf in the wind, but thinking about every single step we take. And you know what? After this pandemic, I think we're all going to be looking at everything more. (laughs) You know, in a, in -hmm. much more than, as you said, like it won't ever probably go back to that time when we just opened the door and skipped outside and, and, and like, you know, it's, it's going to change. And this book is talking about decisions and, and how we make those for the benefit of ourselves, our families and for the future.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think it sounds like not just thinking about yourself, but also, you know, your family What do you want your legacy to be? You know, I think more than ever now with this pandemic, we're realizing what do I want to accomplish in my life? What do I want my life to be about? What do I really value? And how do I want to protect my family and leave a legacy and continue to support things in the best way that I can?
1: Yes, no, for sure. And you know what? It's in times like these where we face adversity, where we really realize the things that are most important to us. You know, like sometimes when we go about our lives, business as usual, and things are rosy, we're not thinking about, do I really want to be doing this? Do I really want to be hanging out with that set of people, that set of folks? Mm -hmm. Who are the people most important to me? Who are those that are sticking with me through thick and thin? Where are those relationships? And what does that mean to me? What's my mission? And, and what do I really want to leave, as you mentioned, in terms of a legacy? And and those were all questions I asked myself after I lost my husband. I was like, you know what? I'm here is an opportunity for me to live a life that is important to me in a way that I am contributing to humanity and that I'm leaving a legacy, and I'm really living it in a way that I want to live it, not on anybody else's terms, not to make anybody else happy, but to make me happy. And so. That was foremost, and that was one of the main lessons that I learned coming out of this is that, you know, and, and right now we're in a period where we can take a pause, we can look at our lives and examine what we've been doing and how we've been living our lives. And you'll realize, you know, we'll realize a lot of lessons coming out of this for sure in terms of our relationships, in terms of our careers, what do we want?
0: Yes, oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to you know, tell people where can they get the book, The Holistic Wealth Mindset?
1: Yeah, so Holistic Wealth is available on Amazon. It's on Target, Barnes & Noble online. It's practically everywhere online and it's available. There's also a workbook now that's recently put out that workbook just in February. It gives questions in there about, you know, that will lead you to develop a mission statement, clarify your goals. Um, it really fleshes out the Holistic Wealth Mindset, and the various pieces of it, how you can apply it in your daily life. And so both of them are available on Amazon, on Indigo Online, if you're in Canada, Barnes & Noble. It's available worldwide. And so it's very... Perfect. Available. Yeah.
0: Good. And where can people connect with you?
1: Yeah. So people can connect with me. I'm on... Um, it's KeishaBlair.com. That's my main website. And on social media, I'm at Keisha O'Blair for Instagram and Twitter. And for Facebook, it's Keisha Blair Author. And I love hearing from folks, especially, you know, in these times when we're all at home and it's great to hear from folks. So I'd love to hear from people, but that's how you can reach me.
0: Perfect. Yes. Now is the time for connection. Thank you. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. And if you want to know anything about me, just feel free to email me at show at gmail.com. You can also connect with me at melanielockert.com or mentalhealthandwealth.com. We will be releasing this podcast every other week on Friday. So definitely stay tuned for some other exciting episodes coming your way. I would love for you to go to mentalhealthandwealth.com and check out our content, sign up for our newsletter. And if you like the show, feel free to subscribe and review. Thank you so much.